guys, my name is Eden Richardson. I'm the Discipleship Director here at First Baptist Rock Hill. Thank you so much for tuning in from, past, from our pastor's sermon from this past Sunday. We are so excited for what God's gonna teach you through His Word today. We hope that it blesses, encourages, and challenges you as you listen. Also be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you will get to see these weekly sermons. We hope you enjoy it and thank you so much. How many of you are traveling this week? All right, we pray God's blessings on you, angels inside and outside the car. Enjoy your time with your family. And if you want your turkey and dressing to be the best, stuff the bird. Those of you who don't know what that means, ask an older person, stuff the bird. Well, today we want to talk about following Jesus. What does that really mean? When Jesus reaches out and calls you to be in a relationship with him, because the call to follow Jesus is more than a call simply to be saved. It's more than a call to find forgiveness and receive eternal life, to go to heaven and miss hell. The call to follow Jesus is life-changing. And we all understand how just a phone call can change your life. I remember a little over 17 years ago, I was having lunch after church one Sunday at McAllister's with her son and daughter when some family from Kentucky called to tell me that Monisa, that her sister and brother-in-law had been killed earlier that morning in a commercial plane crash. And I had to come back to the church where she was in a meeting and get her out and tell her that her sister was dead. That one phone call changed things for our family. I remember 36 years ago, we were at home in Sumter and... I was at a deacon's meeting at the church, and when I got home that evening, about 9 o'clock, Monisa told me my sister had called to tell us that Dad had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. That was in August. We buried him in November. And that changed things for us. But not all phone calls you know, have bad news, pain. Some of them do, but not all of them. Sometimes it's good stuff. A little over uh, 36 years ago, we were home in Sumter. It was in the evening. We were together, and phone rang, and I answered it. And it was the chairman of the search committee of this church looking for a new pastor. And that one phone call in uh, late June, 36 years ago, started us on a journey that brought us here and changed our lives. And I, I think in some ways, when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's similar to both of those calls. Because the call to follow Jesus is a call to death. You'll see that in a minute. But it's also a call to life and to a future you would not have otherwise. It changes who you are, changes your life. So we're going to look at that this morning. I want you to open your Bible to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. For the last two weeks, you've been reading Mark in our Bible reading plan and in our D group. So I just want to look at three or four passages in Mark's Gospel, kind of a survey, that give us some better understanding. What does it mean? What does it look like to say yes when Jesus calls us to follow him. We're going to start in Mark chapter one. Now let me see your copy of God's word, printed or electronic. Hold it up, come on, hold it up. 
And um, I will take to lunch the person who can find an app for your electronic Bibles that makes it sound like you're turning pages when you open it. Because a preacher loves to hear the pages of God's word being turned, being opened. All right, Mark chapter one. This is a simple little story. It recounts Jesus calling the first four of his 12 disciples. Now, not every detail of what actually happened is recorded here. It's just a summation. It's a quick summary of their call. There are other tidbits we pick up elsewhere in the gospels. There's some things we're just not told, but it teaches us a lot nonetheless about what it looks like when Jesus calls you to follow him and what that means for you and your life. So I want us to begin reading at verse 14. John the Baptist has been arrested and Jesus is preaching the gospel of God, telling everybody in verse 15 to repent and believe the gospel. Now here's where we're going to focus, verse 16. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. We know him as Peter. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Continuing in verse 19. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Now we know from the Gospels this was not the first conversation Jesus had with these four men. There have been other conversations, an ongoing conversation. And it's like he comes to them one day and says, okay, guys, are you all ready to do more than just talk about this stuff? Are you ready to act on it? Are you ready to take the step of obedience and follow me? I'm calling you right now, follow me. And they made the decision in that moment to begin following Jesus. And it changed them and their future. So three things real quick just from this one story. One, when you answer Jesus' call to follow him, he gives you a new purpose in life. He gives you a new purpose in life. Listen to me. Following Jesus is not what you do. It is who you are. Listen to that again. Following Jesus is not what you do. It is who you are. Now, we do a lot of things. We have careers. We make a living, take care of our families, plan for retirement. We have fun. Some of us like to travel. Some of you have a dream of seeing the world. You want to raise a family, have a good marriage. Those are all wonderful things. They are good things. They are important things. But hear me, those are things you do. That's not who you are. The very moment you said yes to Jesus Christ, you asked him to come into your life and save you. You became his follower. Your identity changed. You are someone who does a lot of good things. But who are you? You are a follower of Jesus Christ. What is your purpose in life? It is to follow Jesus. Stay as close to him as you can possibly be. 
Once you look at this graphic, our church and other churches define what a disciple is this way. Someone who is following Jesus. That's where it begins and then you spend the rest of your life following Christ. But a disciple is also someone who is being transformed or changed. In other words, as you keep following Jesus, you keep changing. As you continue to follow Jesus, you are transformed. You grow. You don't stay put. Disciples never stay put. You follow, and because you're following, you're moving forward. Following, you're going someplace new. Following, Jesus is leading you into new experiences. Following, Jesus is making you over and over and over into a new person. As you grow, as you change, as you mature, as you are transformed, as you become more like him. And that whole time, you are on mission with him. And that's the next point. Not only does Jesus give you a new mission when you become his follower, but he gives I me mean, a new purpose. He gives you a new mission in life. Who are you? You're a follower of Christ. That's your purpose. That's your identity. But you have a new mission. He said to these disciples, these four fishermen, he said, follow me and I will make you become what? Fishers of men. Our mission in life is to live a, a gospel-centered or a gospel-centric, if you will, a gospel-centric life. So we're constantly day in and day out asking ourselves questions like what can I do today to make an impact for Jesus who can I talk to today about Jesus who's in my path today with whom I can share the gospel we're just constantly asking ourselves those kind of questions who 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 am I going to see today that I can invite to church and so we pray We've been teaching you for some time to pray three prayers in your life every day. Every day as a disciple, you're praying for God to give you opportunities that day to have a gospel conversation, an opportunity that day to invite someone to church. And you're praying for yourself every day that the Holy Spirit will fill you and give you the courage and the boldness to speak when the opportunities come, the spiritual eyes to see the opportunities that are right in front of you, and that every day you're praying for people by name who are far from God and in desperate situations spiritually. Why? Because who am I? What is my purpose? I'm a follower of Jesus. And as such, I'm always doing what Jesus is doing. I'm on mission with Jesus, which means I'm asking those kind of questions. That becomes my mindset. That's who I am. That matters to me. And that's my mission in life. And that's the reason, like in your D groups, we tell you in your D groups, part of what you do is to have conversations about that. After you practice your memory verse, and those are gospel verses, so you can have them to share the gospel. Talk among yourselves in your D group. Have we been praying? Have I been praying? Have I had a gospel conversation this week? Who did you invite to church this week? Because if you're not doing that, what happens in time is your D group doesn't become a D group or a disciple-making group. It just becomes another Bible study by a different name. And Bible study is good. But Bible study alone is not what we're about. That is a tool. We are about making disciples. That means constant growth and constant transformation. And we have this mindset, this mindset, who needs Jesus? Can God use me some way today where I am? Because we're on mission for Christ. I got a text message two or three weeks ago from a woman in one of our D groups. And she was telling me about another woman in her D group and conversations this woman had with a coworker. 
This co-worker apparently had heard her talking about her D-group and about praying and about the church. And as she listened over the weeks, this co-worker's interest was, you know, just, just grew. And so she asked her about it. And this woman was able to tell her co-worker about the church. And then that naturally led into a gospel conversation about Jesus. That's what we're talking about. And by the way, hear this. If in your life, wherever you are, day after day, if you're talking about what God's doing in your life and how much you love Jesus and what you're seeing in Scripture and what's happening at the church and, and, and you're having that, that infectious, positive sharing all the time, guess what? People are going to hear. It's going to create interest. And sooner or later, some of them are going to ask you about it. But if you never have those kind of conversations, if the only talk you have about churches you're out there and you're complaining about somebody at church somebody did that you're complaining about something you don't like at the church nobody's ever going to ask you about Jesus because they don't want what you got so being a disciple it's a whole lot more than just going to church Following Jesus is a whole lot more than saying, well, I'm saved and I go to church. There's a lot of people who say, I'm saved and I go to church that are going to end up in hell. If you're following Jesus, you're saved. If you're following Jesus, you're going to be in church. But if you're following Jesus, there's a whole lot more to it than just going to church. There's a third lesson from this simple little story. Following Jesus means he gives you a new purpose and a new mission in life, but it means that sometimes you have to leave some things behind. Now, we all understand when we begin our journey with Jesus, there may be some things we have to stop doing and change, but it's also true as you, as you continue following Jesus and you continue living for him and you continue growing, you will discover other things in your life that you need to leave behind because they are getting in the way of you growing. They are holding you back spiritually. They're keeping you from becoming everything Jesus is trying to help you become. And I don't know what they are for you. They vary from person to person. It may be a habit, a besetting sin. It, it could actually be something in your career path. Maybe it's an attitude, a way of thinking. Maybe it's a, a belief or a personal opinion. And, and you're not going forward with Jesus. You're not going forward spiritually and growing because you hold on to that. And God is saying, you got to let go of that. These men had to leave their nets and their fishing careers. John and James left Zebedee, left their father. It, it, they left some things behind. Now, listen. They still fished occasionally. When you read the Gospels, they, you would find them fishing every now and then, but they left that as their career and it just changed their life. And by the way, I hope there's fishing in heaven. I really do. I hope God gives us deep water lakes so we can, we can catch some bass, okay? Anybody with me on that? Yeah. Thank you. What is it you gotta leave behind? What's holding you back 
in your following Jesus? What's, what's keeping you from making the kind of progress spiritually you know that you should make and that with Jesus' help you can make? What's getting in the way? What do you need to let go of? I remember some conversations I had with my dad. I, I mentioned earlier, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer in August and died in November. Earlier that spring, the same year, after years and years of praying and witnessing, Dad gave his heart to Jesus and became a follower of Christ. Now, before Dad got saved, Dad loved to play cards. I have a, a trophy he won in a rook tournament. He loved cards, and he loved to play poker for real. And not for dollar bills, for big bills, and checks. In other words, he had a problem. You, you get what I'm saying? And so dad becomes a believer. And I'm talking to him on the phone one time. We're in Sumter. He's in Kentucky. And this was about three months after he was saved. And he had gone to visit some of his old buddies where they used to play poker all the time. And I remember talking to him and said, now, dad, let's think about temptation. What happens if an alcoholic goes in a bar? Well, you've got a problem with gambling. You're going to go where they, you see where I'm going with this conversation? And dad, what about all those people who've heard you give your testimony as being a new Christian, but they see you back in your old stumping grounds. What do you need to leave behind? Because something, sometimes, see, if, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going where he goes, and that means I'm leaving behind me some things that need to stay behind because he's taking me to new places and new experiences. And that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. There's another story I want you to look at over in chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there. Let me hear your Bibles. Come on, chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus, you know, often would teach through parables, stories he would tell to illustrate or make a point to teach people through stories. That's what parables are. And in the chapter 4, he tells the parable of the sower. Sows the seed, which is the word of God, and there's four soils, four types of dirt. People respond four different ways. And after he had done all of that teaching in Mark chapter 4, verse 10, as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the 12. So it's Jesus' 12 disciples and then the others who followed him in addition to the 12 disciples. The big crowd is going, just, just imagine, you know, Jesus had an outdoor crusade at the, you know, the football stadium up here in Charlotte. And his sermon was this parable. And after all the crowds left and got in their cars and went back home, it's just Jesus and his 12 disciples and his, you know, his closest followers outside the 12 disciples. And they come to Jesus in verse 10 and they begin asking him about the parables. Jesus, we want to know more. Can you explain it to us more? Tell us more. And here's the point. Disciples, those who say yes to following Jesus always want to keep learning and growing. You keep asking for more. Jesus, I want to be closer to you. Jesus, I want to know your word better. Jesus, I want to look more like you. Jesus, teach me more. Jesus, work him more. Jesus, we're never satisfied to stay where we are. We take the initiative to keep learning, to keep growing, to ask for more because that is what we want. Are you participating in our Bible reading plan here at the church? Why not? 
Do you listen to the podcast or watch the video of the devotions for the chapter each day? Why not? You're busy when you're in your car driving to work. Turn off the news, turn off the music, and listen to the five to ten minute podcast. Feed your soul. Take initiative. Do something. I got, a, I got an email this week from a man I don't know, I've never met, know very little about him. Lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. And he described in the email how once a week he does a Bible study at work with his leadership team. And they were going through the book of Romans and he was searching on the internet for some teaching helps and he came across the YouTube videos of us working our way through Romans and he started using that to help him get ready for the Bible study with his leadership team. And I thought to myself, wow, that's, that's kind of neat. Here's a guy who gets it. Because he's a businessman and he's got a team, he's got a company, he's got employees, but he realizes who he is, he's a follower of Jesus. What does he want to do? He wants to invest. And so he's doing this Bible study at work and he takes the initiative to learn because he wants to be a good disciple who's helping others be growing disciples. That is what following Jesus looks like. It's not just going to church. One last story over in chapter 8. Chapter 8, there you go. That's music. That's beautiful. Hunter and the team, y'all did good, but that sounds even better. Chapter 8. Following Jesus means you become a living sacrifice. Look at verse 34. He summoned the crowd with his disciples. So here's the 12 and then the big crowd. And he said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, you'll remember Jews would bring animals to the temple and they would be sacrificed on the altar as an act of worship. The image here and elsewhere in the New Testament is that you and I, like those animals, are sacrificed, but we're living sacrifices. We don't physically die, but we die to self. And we live for God. He's our purpose. And we are walking, talking, living sacrifices on the altar for Jesus. Now, what does that look like in practical terms? Let me explain it this way. I want you to say a word. I want everybody in the room to say this word with me. Okay, I want you, when, the word is yes. You can say it. Yes, it's a good word. Say it out loud right now, everybody. Yes. One more time. Come on. Again, more, more passion. There you go. Here's what it means to, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus. It means you put your yes on the altar before you know what he's asking. You put your yes on the altar before you know what he's asking. That's how much you trust him. That's following Jesus. That's being a living sacrifice. And one more point from that same verse. It means that God's plan becomes my plan. God's will becomes my will. God's plan becomes your plan. God's will becomes 
your will. Now the context for what we just read, going all the way back to verse 27 of that same chapter, Jesus is with his 12 disciples and he's telling them in very plain language that anyone can understand that they are on their way to Jerusalem. When they arrive there, he will be arrested, beaten, and crucified. He'll die. After three days, he'll be raised from the dead. And Peter, listening to that, grabs Jesus and yanks Jesus over to the side and he rebukes Jesus. No! Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Isn't that what we do every time we tell him no? Peter, no, Lord, you're not going to die. That's not going to happen. That's not the plan. No. And it's in that setting that Jesus, in verse 33, said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Called him the devil. Because you have set your mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, not on the interest of God, but on man's interest. Peter, rather than thinking about what God wants and God's plan and how God can do things and what God's up to, you're just thinking about how, what, what you want and maybe how God can help you accomplish what you want. And following Jesus means it's what he wants. And then the very next verse is where Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. His plan becomes our plan. Now, does that mean there are not things we want and do and have fun with? No, I mean, of course we, we have fun and there's things. You know, I don't think God cares what color car you buy. I think he cares about how good a steward you are and what you spend on it. But I don't, I don't think he cares if you buy a Ford, a Chevy, or whatever. I don't think he cares what color it is. We have life, you know. We live. Life is good. Life is fun. But who are we? We're followers of Christ. And that's the foundation. That's the core. That's the center. That's the heart of who we are and how we live and why we live. It's not we go about life how we want and God just kind of comes along and drops in every now and then and helps. No, all right, God, it's your life and I get to have fun along the way. And so whether I'm in Italy on vacation or in the stadium at a football game or sitting down at the table with loved ones to eat turkey and stuffing when I'm at work when I'm at school wherever I'm at I'm, I'm a follower of Christ on mission for him and I'm his and, and if that means God's going to interrupt for a few moments what's going on when I'm somewhere because, oh, all of a sudden, God put somebody in my path that needs to hear a good word about Jesus or an invite to church. Wow, that's why I'm there in the first place. I just get to enjoy the ball game, the turkey, and other stuff along the way. And that's how you begin to see yourself when you follow Jesus. And I'm going to enjoy turkey, turkey and stuffing Thursday. And I will stuff the bird Stuffing's better. And I'm going to eat as much pumpkin pie with Cool Whip or whipped cream on it as I want. But that's not my purpose in life. I just get to do that and have fun 
while I'm living the Jesus life. Does that make sense? That's what it means to follow Jesus. Recently, um, I had breakfast with a man who's had a very successful career and made a really good living. But he's making a career change that will mean less money because he feels that he wants to, that he needs to have more time to serve God. And this is not a knee-jerk reaction. It's not an arbitrary decision. This is something he's been sensing for some time that God's been doing in his life, and now's the time. And the world looks at that and says, that's crazy. But when you follow Jesus, you say, wow, okay, what's next? Let me summarize all of this with some different words. When you follow Jesus, your life will be countercultural. See, the culture is always trying to tell you what matters and what's important and how you should think and what you should do. But when you're following Jesus, there are times you just do this and you stop listening to the culture so you can hear the voice of Jesus and you will live a life that is counter to the culture. Following Jesus means there will be moments in your life and as aspects of your life that seem radical. And the world will look at you and say, well, that's crazy. Why are you doing that? But to you as a disciple of Jesus, it makes perfect sense. Living for Christ, following him is transformative. You never stay stuck. You don't stay put. You're moving forward. And it's fun. Where did we get this idea that following Jesus is, oh, just, it's just, it's just miserable. It's awful. Oh, follow Jesus. I can't have fun anymore. Where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. Hell. I get so tired of hearing testimonies about, you know, I ran from God. 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 I ran. And finally, I gave up because I was too tired of running from God. And I... <laughs> Listen, run toward God. It's fun. I understand some of us resist God and fight God. I get that. But I tell you what, everybody I've ever heard share a testimony about running from God, if they really, if they really met Jesus, they say, man, was I dumb. Why did I keep doing that all those years? They, they always say something like, you know, I, wish I'd, I wish I'd gotten right with God years ago. I hate I wasted all those years. It's fun. And it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. The very next thing Jesus said in Mark 8, after talking about denying yourself and taking up your cross and following him, the very next thing he said in verse 35 for whoever wishes to save his life, the one who wants to hold on to it and be the master of his own destiny and not surrender to Christ and not deny himself, the one who wants to save his life, he says, will ultimately, in the long run, that will be the very person who loses it. He'll lose the life God had for him. He'll lose all the what could have beens. He'll lose all the wasted years. 
But whoever loses his, my life, loses his life, surrenders it, denies it for my sake, for Jesus' sake, and for the gospel's sake, that's the person who will save his life. That's the very person who finds life. What does it profit a man, Jesus said, if he gains the whole world and forfeits or loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Are you going to waste any more days, any more years? Running from God, waiting, just being somebody who goes to church, or are you going to find life at its richest, following Jesus? Are there people who start and give up? Yeah. Are there people who say they're following Jesus and they're phonies and they're, they're lying and they're hypocrites? Absolutely. That's true in every walk of life. That's true in every career path. That's true in everything in life. If that's your excuse, it's not much of an excuse. Because the person that's hurting the most is you. Because it's keeping you from the new life Jesus has for you. And that's sad. So we're going to stand. Hunter is going to lead us in singing. Pastors will be here at the front. I'm inviting you to follow Jesus. To come to the altar and kneel on this kneeling bench and just talk to Jesus about following him.